My name is David Birnbaum. Welcome to The Safe Space. Today, my guest is Puya Morteheb, and I really enjoyed this conversation. I actually didn't know Puya before having him on as a guest, and I'm so grateful that he reached out to me and that I was able to interview him. Puya is an Iranian currently living in Europe, and we talk about how the Iranian dictatorship is essentially killing all of its citizens. Not in the sense of a literal genocide, but killing their souls. Killing in them the thing that actually makes them human. I, I don't even know what to say because I cannot capture the amount of great insight that I got during this conversation. I think I may have gotten goosebumps four to five times. And we really talk about how devastating it is to a human soul to live under those conditions. And it's something that I really didn't have any perspective on. And I don't think many, if any, of my peers have a good perspective on it either. We also talk a bit about Ayn Rand and the value she provided to him. You know, Ayn Rand is someone I find valuable and her works. And there's this stereotype with many of my peers that Ayn Rand is someone who just helps rich people rationalize being, quote, selfish. But Puya really captures the importance of her ideas and what it means to an individual soul, what it means to someone being stuck in an Iranian dictatorship. He also talks about how art is so powerful and watching one Disney movie changed his life forever and he knew he would get out of Iran. I'm just so grateful to Puya for coming on and sharing his story with me and with all of us. And I really look forward to having more conversations with him in the near future. Please let me know what you think of this episode and if it gave you goosebumps. I'd like to know that as well because it certainly did for me. As always, please remember to subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcasting app and consider supporting the show at thesafespace.ca. Hi, thanks for joining me today. Uh, welcome. Uh, thank you. Uh, uh, it's, it's been, sorry, I, I, uh, it's been uh, great to watch you on, on the, uh, I, I first saw you on uh, uh, the Don Waskin's Don Waskin show. And uh, then mm -hmm. I, I realized it's, uh, it, what, what you said, it was really interesting. And it was, a, it was unlike uh, other uh, conversations I had heard in the uh, Objectivism YouTube. Uh, and um, I, I wanted to know if you're doing more shows or not, uh, basically. Uh, and and I, I tried finding you and I found you on Facebook. And I want to thank you because I, I thought that you, as I said, brought new perspective. We need uh, more people um, to talk uh, broadly, generally, about the life without a mask. And, and also uh, the subjects that generally the subjects that you cover in the Liberty Experts podcast is, uh, is really interesting. Uh, and it will be a new, it will be a uh, good direction if people start talking generally about those subjects more. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And, you know, I, when you reached out, I asked you if you'd come on as a guest on this show, because there's not very many people, one, who reach out to people whose content they appreciate. Um, and so, you know, I think that makes you unique. And also, you know, the, I'm interested in hearing your story a bit as well, because I have found myself like quite... Uh, isolated in the objectivist and even liberty movement in terms of, you know, how, where I came from and what I value. So I'm interested to know kind of what led you to reach out to me and what particularly resonated with you and, and you know, perhaps telling me a bit more about your background. Okay. 
Uh, well, I, I'm not uh, uh, foreign to YouTube and talking about objectivism YouTube. In fact, I, I, I recently started my own YouTube channel uh, and I'm a very, very, very serious student of objectivism. And uh, I happen to have a particular uh, background. I, I was born and raised in Iran and I recently moved out uh, of the country and I'm, I'm in Europe. I, I'm not happy with my life. I want to uh, get to America. Uh, and this is my life is a process of me trying to get get to what I I'll always strive for uh, to a better place. I always had this imagined in my mind a better place, and uh, I can talk about the origin of how I got that idea and now what is what I have found as my central purpose and where I came from. Uh, uh, but. Uh, before that, I had I had if you know the artist uh, Raka Raka Ali, uh, he had a, a commentary channel. I, I was uh, talking to him a few times there, uh, and uh, and uh, I I chose when I found objectivism. It was uh, around winter of 2019. It wasn't even one year, and um, mm-hmm. I I uh, it was as if I. Uh, it, it was a complete match. It was complete revelation. Exactly the, the I, I could imagine the puzzle, but I didn't even have one one piece of it. And suddenly I got the, the to the objective. So all of the questions that I really cared about in my life uh, when I was back in Iran, um, they're, they're all they're all answered. And and I'm, I'm not asking. I'm not talking about particular questions about. Uh, like what's what is the best political system? Not 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 that, those grants. Particular questions about what it means for someone to want to have the best for his life. What what it means like is it is it justified for someone to be so obsessed about the future, so obsessed about uh, having a better life? And I I I got that idea in Ayn Rand's novels, and uh, particularly with the living. I I. Hundred percent can uh, can sympathize. I can hundred percent understand Kira uh, in the in the living. Uh, he's he's living in Soviet Union, and I come from a very very similar background. Iran is a terrible country, and I basically um, I I could not live there. I could not live there in the sense that my soul was. I, I really felt airtight, as if I could not breathe in Iran, and. Uh, and I, I knew that I, I, I valued my life so much that yeah, I, I realized that if I'm going to stay here, I don't want to continue because life, I, I, I cared about life so much. I did not want to have a mediocre life. I wanted to be the best that I am since childhood. And, um, and this has driven me. I, I was born in a uh, Poor family, relatively a very poor neighborhood in, in uh, Iran's third uh, biggest city, and uh, from that, that's and uh, and particularly didn't have a really good childhood. But other, I remember as, as as far as I remember, I wanted to. Uh, th- so there was one particular art that I uh, received that that I that I was able to see, and it was the very very big privilege that usually people don't people don't have in dictatorships. Uh, I mean, I can. I have a lot. To, I'll talk about this. I can go on, but I can stop uh, to ask you a question. But uh, well, I would no, say I, this. I, that, oh, go ahead. Uh, say this. That in in dictatorship, it's so bad that no one. It, it is. It, I, I will not blame anyone in a dictatorship. Literally anyone. And uh, because 
especially if it's a, if it's a uh, um, sophisticated level of dictatorship that's it's been going on for decades and they have perfected the way to suffocate people uh, spiritually and when usually people think about dictatorships they think okay you cannot just talk uh, negatively about the politics you just have to shut up about the politics but the rest is like more or less okay but the thing about politics is that as, as portrayed in we the living that it does not st stay in politics they want to interfere fear your personal life they want to interfere with your soul the, the biggest i believe that biggest enemy of a dictatorship is a person's soul and by soul i mean the part that values not any mystical soul but the part that really wants to achieve a good 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 life good things and um in, in Ayn Rand's novel, we get the idea that it is contradictory because if they have to suffocate people's souls, then there is no one, if all soul is suffocated, then there is no one to keep up the society. There is no one to uh, make food. There is no one to uh, run the industry and the, the whole society will collapse to savagery. And I, I'm seeing right now, Iran is collapsing into savagery and it's very, very little talk about. It is very, very similar to the situation in Venezuela. It is unbelievable and uh, people, it is, it is very tragic. Actually, it, it has, um, okay, I will stop here and I will continue after. But. No, I appreciate that. And honestly, I'm already very uh, intrigued to hear more. So it's, I almost like don't want to interrupt. But, um, you know, I am interested in, in a couple key areas because I've not met anyone who resonates with We the Living, right? Like it seems so otherworldly to many people I talk to. And it also contrasts with me the way the average person talks about many of these dictatorships generally, right? It, like I don't hear people telling me that they were basically like dying or dead. Their soul was dying. And we don't really hear that message. And one thing that popped out at me, I recently saw... Um, you know, a post that was about how uh, a gentleman in, in North Vietnam, in the North Vietnam dictatorship, was imprisoned for like decades for singing love songs, right? Because they didn't want that to survive. That couldn't survive because they knew that was against their uh, goals. And so it, like it really is, everything you're sharing is really powerful for me. And I'm, I'm just hoping you can kind of, why, it, what, what do you think of the fact that that's not the picture that most people see about Iran or about China or other dictatorships. And we don't talk about how soul crushing it is. And, and it's not life, right? Like people don't realize that living under a dictatorship, yeah, you're, you're breathing, you can eat food, hopefully, but you're not actually living. And so I'm interested to hear a bit more about that and how you view kind of the Western portrayal of these things, because it's not what I see anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, well, as I said, uh, the, in any dictatorship, even yeah, most people think uh, that uh, it's because they're Islamic that they're suppressing this. And actually, the, the same thing that you said that happened in North Vietnam, it, 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 happened, uh, it, it happens every day in Iran. We see that women for singing are lashed, they can be even sentenced to death, and uh, for drinking alcohol, for having parties, for playing music from your car literally I, I, the, all of the avenues all of the ways that a human being can experience especially art and, and, and i think it's a really a curious case i want to uh, research about it more that 
especially dictatorships are really crucial emphasis on art. They want to suffocate. They want to not let good art and heroic art and the art that ele elevates the soul get passed through. They want their uh, art that uh, only represents their own uh, agenda, their own, um, uh, you know, um, uh, their own... Uh, ideology. Ideology, yes, their own propaganda and... Uh, and that, and in the sense, uh, I, I, uh, that is the reason why basically I said I will not blame, uh, I will not blame anyone from Iran actually today, it, because it's the reason all of the avenues are so suffocated and the culture is so bad, is so irrational that any any child that keeps to a shred of uh, rationality, to a shred of the soul, by the time he gets an adult, it's it's a miracle. It's a miracle. I have I, I, I have explanation for how I, I got past it, and, and I and I know that I, I've I've got gotten past it, not losing my soul. Uh, but uh, if you feel, I can explain. Uh, yeah, I'm very interested because you know it does seem very tough, and I mean, it seems even tough in Western society these days to for people to keep their souls. I can't even imagine how tough it is in an actual dictatorship to really keep your sense of self. And so I'm very interested to know um, how you manage that. Exactly. And it is also very hard to, uh, because of today's culture, not because of totalitarianism, but because of this culture to keep your soul. When, when we see that uh, the music that is out there celebrated, the, the movies that are uh, portray, portraying man as a cynical, ugly, just power lusting, money lusting, and they're showing the irrational characters as the winners and the goodness. and the code of morality just suffocates individuals and, and it and it is a really really stroke of luck for someone to keep to their souls and also i'm not saying that it's all deterministic it, it also involves a real an element of choice for a person to not give it up because i was very close to giving it up but i i made a deliberate choice of, of to not giving up the ideals um so uh as I said, all avenues of art, everything happy, everything that elevates is gone. Uh, basically, no sculpture, no pictures that portray body, even men, women. The woman only, uh, uh, there's so much. For example, the, the woman, uh, actually all of them are forced to wear hijab and not, not only headscarf, not, not a, a longer than their, uh, their, their wrist. If, they're, if they see the rest of the wrist, they will be imprisoned. Uh, they, so, so many of them have to wear this big uh, plastic bag. It's not plastic, it's, it's a cotton, but it's terrible. Uh, they're like garbage bags uh, and they walk. And actually a lot of people to their credit have been uh, rebelling against that. But I, I see that they generally, the soul of people, the government has succeeded and the soul is suffocated and there is no, no, I see this, this scene and I see what people in the social media from Iran, they're writing, it's just completely gone. And uh, uh, so, for, so for my case, how I, I uh, got that soul and I, and I kept it was the fact that I, when I was a child, uh, I was, since since I was six years old, I was left alone at home, uh, and my my mother was my mother and father both were working from day and t day till night, and um, 
and I was I was basically every day waking up alone, and I really didn't have didn't have any uh, even toys to play with. I didn't have nothing. I was alone completely. So one thing is that I was a little bit separated from the culture since childhood, and that led me that that all of my life when I was in school, except high school, I found really good friends. But all of my life, uh, I could not just engage. I could not blend in. I could not understand even uh, uh, other children. And my mother thought actually I was autistic, but I'm not. But the, the only thing is that I did not have humans contacting. I did not have any friends. And I never, uh, until late, as I said, in, in high school, I never learned that. So in one sense, I was kind of isolated from the culture. And the other sense, I didn't have anything. I remember this story, uh, and it's talking about the importance of art. So in, in Iran, after the revolution, the very, very strict anti-art, anti-movie uh, rules were, were uh, imposed that movies of any kind, any kind, even of nature, just films that anything, VHS, all of the CDs, all of them were completely banned. And uh, it was, they, they said, the clerics, uh, the mullahs said that it's, it's uh, haram, it's, it's uh, forbidden to watch anything, anything except the TV, which only has one person talking the news and that's four hours a day and that's it. So this was, this was the, the, uh, the uh, environment. So as the days progressed, two things happened. Well, the technology uh, progressed and there was internet. Uh, so there are two, two aspects of how I got uh, to, to where I am. So one is that um, Internet came to the, to Iran at 2010 around then, and it's pretty, came very late. And my my family was one of the first people in the whole city to get uh, the internet with the special permission from the government, of course, because of my mother's uh, job. So we got internet. The internet back then was pretty uncensored. I got access to uh, to information, and I just saw a world of wow. It's like English. I, I have to learn English. And I remember since I was nine, I uh, I just studied English with such curiosity and such determination. I I begged my mother to uh, to keep uh, keep me you know, registered at more and more and more English classes, and I learned it because I wanted to know how, what's going on in in internet. I I just I blew my mind. I, I lived in such a small world and then I connected to internet. But the thing is, that was the beginning of the uh, internet and it was pretty un unregulated, uncensored uh, in Iran. Today they have some, someone really treasonous, some evil person has sold Iranian government, the technology, advanced technology to monitor what is on, on the internet. And they selectively censor everything now. Like, there's nothing on the internet you can see. And uh, there are it's even it's even almost impossible to get VPN. It's so that avenue that I had it's gone now, it's gone, and uh, I cannot imagine any other way. So that was one way uh, that I got uh, that I got uh, really interested. And I got the soul, and the other way, more important one. So as I said, all of the movies were banned, and there was one time one. Uh, Gradually towards time, like there were some uh, concessions given by the government to uh, selectively uh, bring the only, only the pure good uh, movies, like usually for children and censored, of course, like there is no touch, not, not, not even holding hands to the opposite sex, nothing, nothing. And uh, censored completely, but especially the ones that had animals in them, they were like, okay, 
they were given permission, they were dubbed without, illegally, basically. They were without giving credit or any, any royalty to the original owner. It was pirated, dubbed, and distributed. And like I said, when I was a child, I had nothing but a CD player. I, I, one day, around 2007, I uh, went to market with my mother and I saw a, a, on a sign written that there was a movie named, uh, like the translation is The Rats That Cooks movie. It's out there. And I, I, I heard that. I was like, what? What? Mom, I, wanted, I want this. And I, I remember I, I got this after. It was 20 cents. It was extremely cheap. And, um, and it was just pirated and someone written on it Ratatouille, the movie Ratatouille from 2007. And when I watched that, when I watched that movie, it was a level I, I could not believe. It was as if I, I was living in a Plato's cave and I just saw, got a peek out, out and I saw what is, what is possible. And that was the moment I said, no matter what, when I grow up, immediately as I turn 18, I will leave Iran. I don't want to stay here. Like, can't you believe that like, there is such a place as Paris? Why would you want to stay here? Why would anyone want to stay here? And I, like, all throughout my life, I urged my parents. They had actually they had few chances of getting out of Iran, uh, but they refused it because we will miss your family. <laughs> and so, I it was it was a really hard thing. But fr from that point, since I watched that movie, and actually I will upload uh, an analysis of it on my channel. Um, my you said I love me. I love me the living. My name of my channel is Me the Living. <laughs> this is how much I loved it. That, Very that nice. Yeah, and uh, it is. It is a, just a romantic story. It's. I think it's go, go, going unnoticed. It's a romantic story about an individualist with integrity that doesn't let anything stop him of having a better life, of reaching his dreams. It was. It was a revelation. And that that art, that piece of art. Uh, I'm just sweating with talking about. This. this is how much I love it. And that's, I, I had nothing. I had one CD player. This, I watched it over and over and over and over again. I was, I, I okay, I was stopped. But what I'm trying to say is that um, that avenue was open. That is almost like we see, like that such a movie was made in 21st century, but the, the cartoons that today, the, the children's movies that are made today are so bad. I don't think anyone, like not even in dictatorship, generally children will get such experience of an individualist, a hero movie. And, um, and it's really hard to gain the, get the soul in this culture and keep it. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing all of that. I got goosebumps while you were talking and, and to hear that, like how powerful that was for you. It's really moving. And, and, you know, I don't know anyone who knows anyone who's had an experience like that. So it's really interesting to me and, and, it, it like feels important, right? It feels like this is important to expand on and to talk about and to understand how powerful that actually is to a person. And like, you're a person like that, right? And it's so, yeah, I'm, I'm almost at a loss for words. And so it's good that you're, I can feel your passion too. So I appreciate that. Like you just, like you need to talk about this because it's so important and you have this knowledge and this experience. And it's like, how do more people not understand this where it's so visceral for you? Like how important this stuff is. So I think it's great. And I really appreciate you sharing all of that with me. Um, you know, I have two different kind of interrelated questions. Um, one is, you know, was it tough to leave? Because I know you said, like, from that time you were going to leave. But obviously, like, yeah, it's, it's still not easy because your parents didn't want to leave. You have family there. But also, 
you know, you said your goal is to move to America, right? And there's this idea now in the culture, like, why would anyone come to America? America's like the worst country on the planet, right? And that's the, that's the Western view. Yet, you know, immigrants are doing anything they can to get to this country. You're in Europe and you're, and, and what's it been like being there? But also, you know, why, why America? Why is this so important to you? Why go there? Mm -hmm. uh well i i don't know I, I, okay so let, let me explain here this way uh so first you ask uh, asked uh, it was is it hard to leave and i will ask you another question is it hard to jump out of uh, the way of in, in the uh, jump out of the way when you see a big truck coming your way is it hard no, you would say it, it is actually hard not to jump out. And it was exactly my, my, my position. Of course, it has problems. I, I, I was living kind of comfortably. I had my own room, everything. But uh, I, I, just, I just thought this is the truck that is hitting me. I could not, I could not stay. Uh, so in a way, leaving Iran was the easiest decision of my life. The easiest. Uh, and uh, I, I just knew it. I, I made the decision back in 2007. So I, I it, it did have, I'm, it's not saying that it didn't have the hardships. I'm actually living in very hard, hard conditions right now. I'm, I'm struggling to, to stay here and I'm just worrying constantly that, oh, I might get deported because of a lack of uh, uh, money or, or, you know, uh, the, during, because of the pandemic, I cannot find a job and things like that. But again, if if I sent back and my life ends tomorrow, I would just do it again. I will. Uh, I, it was really easy to get out of Iran. I, and about the why choose America? Well, bef before we get into America, I want to just like really emphasize that point because, like, I don't think many people will understand that. Like, it's hard. I I understand it kind of in principle, but it's hard for me to really grasp what that experience would be like because most people don't understand that. It, it is a truck that's like political philosophy, these things, you're living in a state where it's like slow murder almost, right? And it's like, as soon as you have the chance, jump out of the way of the truck. And, and the way you said it is so powerful to me. And, and it's, but it's hard for me to understand because, you know, I've grown up in Canada. I'm, I'm very lucky to be in the culture in, you know, with all of its problems still. And, and so it's almost like cognitive dissonance for me to hear it so simply and easily come out of your mouth that like, I needed to save my life. Obviously, I needed to leave Iran. I needed to save my own life. And there's just very few people who see it that way. And so that's just, it's incredible to me. And I just really want to like emphasize how incredible that is to me um, before we, uh, but I'm interested, yeah, in, in you know, in what you weren't just jumping out of a, out of the way of a truck to nowhere. It's like, I'm going somewhere, right? First I'll get to Europe. If I can, I want to make my way to America. So why, why move towards those things? Exactly. I mean, if you take your life seriously, uh, that, that is the easiest decision. But if you think it's your duty or you just, Oh, you, you have to, you have to be jungled. And so you have to just do the hard thing. I don't think it will work. Uh, I, I think morality, morality properly in a proper sense of term is easy. And if you find even, even the hard situations that you are in dictatorship and it's hard because you're in dictatorship, again, if you really want to live, it is still easy to be moral. It is still easy to take your life seriously. And um, I, I, and I cannot imagine any other way. I, uh, 
so the thing is, I remember my, my father told me when I was back in Iran, that the, when I left Iran, it was 2007, 2017, sorry, it's 2017. And I, uh, I, exactly as I turned 18, I left. Uh, and um, my, father, my father was not supportive of me going. I had a really hard time convincing him. Uh, and he basically told me, why don't you stay? I mean, you can go later. Just stay here, have a degree, then, you know, just settle down, get a little bit more mature, then go. And I was telling my father that every second of being here is torture. Even if, like, if, I, if I can just uh, even leave one hour earlier, I will leave one hour earlier. <laughs> it's, uh, and they did not understand that, actually. And I was telling them, Iran is not a place to be. Iran is a sinking ship. And the evidence was everywhere. I, me, a teenager, could see that. But my father could not. And actually, recently, my father called me and he said, you were right, Buya. I, I was wrong. And this country is sinking. And we're sinking in this ship. All of our money has been extorted by the uh, state through inflation. And, and it, we're having a hard time. And I'm happy, you're glad that you went away. And the, the fact that he did not see but i saw it's not because i was a genius or i was uh, i mean it, it was not because i had a missed like special insight it was because i just cared i just cared i just look and i it's observable it's on the streets every day it's getting worse and you can see it uh so uh, in that sense it, it was it was pretty easy again yeah no I, and i think it makes sense and like you said it's it's we have to be convinced that that's the state of the world, right? If, you, if you're a kid and you look like the world just sh shouldn't be this way. It just shouldn't, right? And you just kind of like, I wouldn't want this. Why is it this way? Um, but that, like as you age and as it's like, you know, fed into your mind, then you start to just kind of give up and say, oh, this is just the way it is. Um, but so now I'm interested, yeah, wh why America? Because a lot of, you know, my... A lot of the Canadians I know would certainly be like, why the heck would anyone want to go to the U.S.? Um, but so I'm interested, yeah, why are you attracted to, to the U.S.? Okay, so um, for a few reasons. Uh, I would start from a simpler one is that I, I love stories and my passion is to write stories, be a novelist, be in art because I see you firsthand like how the power of art is it's it is that it can it can change the world literally it can it's a difference between cave and New York City and uh, and so I want to do that and if you want to do that then the best place to be is again America especially New York is publishing uh, center that's one reason superficial but the more more important reason is that Americans are I, I, some of the Canadians audience members might get offended by this, but Americans are the best people, really. And I've got this inductively. I, I've, I've talked actually to hundreds and hundreds of Americans, uh, and they are, I, I, I'm not, not to say that all of them were heroes, but just I could see the sense of life pour out of them, even, the, even though even if some of them were bad people, but I could still see the sense of life pouring out of them. I could still see that they, um, they really... I cannot put it into words uh, in, in a sense. I, I knew that, and I, I still uh, today even, the Americans are people I'm most comfortable talking to. Um, they're, uh, and I, I know that they will make best friends for me. And also another reason was for that is that I want to continue my 
a journey in objectivism and objectivists are primarily in America, not anywhere else really. Okay, and, and I wanna lean into that as another question is, you know, what value has Ayn Rand added to your life? Because a lot of the people I talk to, you know, I don't, in my, you know, circles, there's not many people who find Ayn Rand interesting and that most of them are like horrified by her. But there's this idea that, you know, Ayn Rand is an excuse for rich white guys to like rationalize why they're allowed to be rich and white and not care about it anyone else. Um, and, and so, you know, as someone who's coming from a dictatorship, uh, from not a, you're not a, you know, you're not yet a multimillionaire in the US trying to just rationalize his money. Uh, so what value does Ayn Rand and her ideas uh, bring to you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, they're, they don't get what's most important about Ayn Rand. It is not the politics. It is not basic, like selfishness even is not the most important. The most important is the basic urge and and it is all over her novels. Basic urge to just care about your life. Just basic urge that you want to be better. You're not going to leave any chances here. You are a heroic person and you, it is your life. It does not, not, nothing matters as much as your life. And you see it, you see it everywhere. and it's, and it's not as obvious, uh, let's say. I, I actually got the idea that this is the core of Ayn Rand's general life. This, this is the core, I realize, the valuing, like how much you value your life. This is the core that makes everything else possible. Because if you don't really want to live, like reason, for example, is a tool for living. If you don't want to live, then why would you need reason for it? Just be irrational. Just go ahead. Like, uh, smoke pots every day. Like, you don't need it. <laughs> so... Um, so in, in the sense, I, I realized this, and I realized after I reading *We the Living*. So it might not be very easy to uh, extrapolate from the novels, although it's everywhere. I can see it every in every single page, but it's not so easy to see, especially in a culture that sneers so terribly at at children who worship uh, good heroes, like even even shrunken down ugly heroes in, for example, DC and like Superman, Batman, like, even they are in a sense heroes and you can see today popular resentment against children who really worship like uh, they want to be a be hero like they get batman dresses and they want to like uh, they say oh batman come on you will grow out of it like ah, oh, I, I don't know you can just replace your world we have pretty pretty bad very 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 bad heroes in our culture and we see the surge in, in anti-hero you can see, see the um harley quinn and joker like what's the hell what the hell like do you want to be that guy even even them have a little bit of heroic elements even them so so generally our culture is really antagonistic and it's really vicious towards uh heroism and idealism and ayn Rand talks about this in the in, his, in her lecture uh art and education if i'm not wrong and um if people just understand that they would know that what's what matters. They put it in the hierarchy. They get the hierarchy wrong. That's it. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And it's really, it comes across to me as well. Like I, I, you know, unfortunately we don't have time to get into it in this discussion, but I really hope you'll come back and we can talk another time about, you know, where I come from and, and where you come from personally. Right. And like in our souls, why we got attracted to these ideas and why they're so important. Because I don't care 
in it, like it's not even in my top 50 things I care about is politics, right? It's about how do I live my life properly? How do I achieve my goals? How do I attain happiness? And and it's so important and it that's important. That's universal, right? It, it's what are the ways in which and what are the reasons for achieving happiness? And so I think um, I, I lost, I'm, I'm trailing off a bit because there's so much I want to say. Um, but yeah, so I really appreciate that. And I think it's so important to capture that it's not about politics. It's not primarily about capitalism. It's not primarily about these things that like are caricatures of her. And it's about that, you know, some, it's about if someone in Iran can see some of this, see art, see a hero and feel like I am worth living. I am worth living. Like that is so important, so valuable. And I think so few people understand that context at all, unfortunately. Yes. Um, And so do you have any last thoughts um, about this, about, uh, you know, I want to hear, I definitely want to have you back on, but uh, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to let me or the audience know about anything we've talked about? Um, if I start now, I would just go on for another hour. <laughs> so okay, so we'll have to we'll we'll end it here and tell people to be sure to tune in next time you're you're a guest. So I want I thank you very deeply and sincerely for coming on. This was really great. Thank you.